Get a light, will you, people? I mean, for crying out loud, it's, it's just a TV show. I mean, look at you. Look at the way you're dressed. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to show number 16 for December 18th, 2005. Get ready, everyone. It's going to be a lot of fun this week. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Definitely Federation Starship. Scotty, beat me up. I will not ask them to die. Fascinating. I'd like my death to count for something. Stand by to receive our transmission. Well, welcome back, everyone. This is Rico, your host for this week's uh, Treks in Sci-Fi podcast, for every week's Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. I want to welcome anyone new to the show, and also want to welcome back anyone that's been listening for a period of time to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Just want to really, again, say I really appreciate everyone who is listening to the show, people that have sent uh, email comments, posted on the forums, and just in general, I'm real pleased with uh, all the response I've been getting for the for the podcast. It seems that uh, the people really like it, and I'm happy about it. I'm really enjoying it. I mean, it's talking about things that I enjoy, which is always easy to do. And they're, you know, Star Trek right now, especially since that's primarily what I talk about on the show, and a few other sci-fi things and collectibles and that kind of thing, but... Star Trek a little bit is 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 getting in a, a situation that it hasn't been in, in a long time. There is uh, no new Star Trek on, which is about the first time in the last, I think it's around 17, 18 years or so, since about 1987-ish, or when the uh, new series of Next Generation started. So it's, um, and there are no current uh, movies in production, although there are some rumors floating around about a variety of, of crazy ideas and concepts, which uh, is, is pretty humorous. It just shows you the power of the Internet these days and how much uh, anyone with a, uh, uh, a decent computer, the Internet connection, and, and a way to post uh, what they think online can, can kind of get something rolling. So, uh, I'd li- I, you know, sometimes I feel like I should post my own ideas and put them up in a few blogs and get them spread around and maybe something will happen. Good ideas, of course. So... Uh, but anyway, you know, this, uh, I grew up on, on Trek, which I've said before, and this is, this is kind of uh, a unique situation, at least for a lot of people that just got into Star Trek with some of their more recent series, The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise, that, uh, they're not quite used to. I mean, when I, when I grew up with it and going to the early conventions and just, uh, first being exposed to Star Trek through the reruns, that was a uh, a time when there was very little out there, and, and it was just the fans that, that communicated, you know, through mail and in person. No computers, no e- internet, no email. Um, you would get together maybe a couple times a year at a convention and see some people that you'd seen at previous ones, but and very, very little in the form of, of either collectibles, publications out there. They're very rare, an occasional book would come out, but these days it seems like it's just you know a lot of movies tv and so forth become a big cash cow for the companies and you know it's kind of a little bit disappointing in a way because it it becomes more of a marketing blitz and it i think kind of spoils it to some degree and and they go overboard which it almost makes people a little bit resistant and almost sick of things this happened i i definitely think this has happened with the recent new um star wars films the prequels I think they just went too overboard. And, I mean, I can understand that they're trying to make a lot of money off this situation. But, you know, it is George Lucas's baby, and he kind of uh, seems like he's gotten a little greedy with age, perhaps. Uh, and it's kind of disappointing. I mean, I, I, I certainly like the collectibles in that, and I certainly like being able to buy some of the things that they have these days. But it's it just seems to be over overkill. And you see a lot of this stuff, if you go to the stores in that, that sits in the shelves for for ages it seems and it's there are some diehard collectors that go out there and buy these things i listen to this star wars um, collectible show where they just talk about primarily the 
all the toys and action figures. Uh, Star Wars Action News, I believe, is the podcast. It's real fun. It's by a husband and wife team. Uh, Arnie and Marjorie is her name. And they're both very into Star Wars and collecting and all that. And they both haunt the stores and, and, and buy these collectibles up. But And there are a lot of those kind of fans out there that do that. But for the amount of merchandise that they put out, it still does not keep up with that. You know, there's still there's there's definitely a group of people out there that do those kind of things, but it certainly doesn't keep up with the amount of merchandise they throw on the shelves. And you know, these things eventually get discounted and half off and half off that again, and so on. And I don't know, I I didn't really necessarily mean to get into this kind of discussion on the show yet or for today, but it just kind of came to my my mind when I was thinking, sitting here, getting ready to do the show about uh, sort of the commercialism. I guess this time of year, especially with Christmas coming, it's only a week away now, it kind of uh, drives home how much the society has become, uh, especially the United States, I guess. There are, you know, people, I I certainly admit it, you know, there are people here with more disposable income than maybe any other country in the world. And uh, there are companies out there that really try to squeeze and capitalize on that and I mean, I see people that have very poor homes and and cars and and things that. But boy, they you know they've got the the bling, they've got the fancy big car out in front of maybe or or you know whatever maybe it's jewelry on their on their hands. I don't know. Well, I'm getting off into a completely non sci-fi topic, which I don't want to do do too much anymore. So it's just my uh, Christmassy commercialism anti thing. I mean, I, I go out there, we could buy gifts for our kids and. We do uh, for friends and family and that, of course. But I, I try to keep it within, uh, you know, a certain level and moderation. I mean, I don't go nuts. I'm not hopping online and buying an Xbox 360 for, you know, a thousand or a couple thousand dollars just because my kids, you know, tugging on my my shirt and saying, "Daddy, Daddy, I want an Xbox, please. I I'll, I won't be able to survive without one." So no, I, I I'm not paying more than like a retail price. If uh, one pops up in a store and I can find it, maybe, but. Anyway, again, let's get back to the main topic at hand. Sci-fi, fantasy, Star Trek, and good stuff. Um, This week's show, primarily, we're going to be talking about the Next Generation episode, uh, Yesterday's Enterprise. An excellent, excellent episode. One of their their best. Uh, It's a time travel tale, which most of the people listening to the show probably are real familiar with uh, this episode and, and, you know, how Star Trek does time travel episodes, uh, well, fairly often, I guess. So that's what's going to come up later in the show. But the first uh, section or area that I want to talk about, like I usually do, a couple of little email discussions, and then we're going to talk a little bit about my my thoughts on King Kong and Chronicles of Narnia, which I've I've seen both those now. So we're going to take a quick little pause here, and then we'll be back to talk about uh, some email. Incoming transmission, Captain. Okay, the first email that I wanted to mention is from someone named Jeff Long, and he says, Rico, just a note to say I've been enjoying your podcasts, and if you're interested, I, he made a, a Trek video, uh, and I will post the link in the show notes. It is about uh, Spock's brain, actually. And Jeff, I, I'll have to take a quick look at the video. I haven't had a chance. I've just been going through my email box right now. But I'll, I'll take a look at your video, and I will post the link to that site on the show notes. And thanks for your nice email, and I really, really appreciate uh, the support and you listening to my show. I got one more email here from uh, Morales, and my friend in Mexico, a Star Trek fan that's written a couple of times. Basically just wrote and said, Happy Holidays. I sent out an email to uh, the forum members about, you know, wishing them a happy holiday wherever they may be, and he was just passing that on, saying he's learned a lot about Star Trek, the classic Star Trek series from me, and he's uh, got a, has a new appreciation for the show, he says, especially since uh, it was a low-budget show. He also would just, you know, again, like I said, he's mentioning uh, have a happy holiday and a great year in 2006, which uh, thanks a lot for that, Morales. I plan on uh, continuing the podcast for a long while. I'm enjoying it uh, because it is a little time-consuming, as I said many times before, but I think it's worth it. I, I like kind of organizing my thoughts on, on different things in Star Trek and science fiction. So thanks for thanks for the nice email, Morales, and, and happy holidays to you also. And also to everyone out there listening, uh, before I forget, uh, I hope everyone 
Not sure when next week's show. I think it falls on Christmas, so it would normally be. I'll try to get a show either just slightly before that or after Christmas. I'm not sure right now when I'll fit it in. But just tell everyone before I forget right now, happy holidays, whatever your beliefs or that kind of thing is. Hope you have a great uh, holiday time and a happy 2006. The next uh, area that we're going to get to is uh, movie talk. Okay, movie talk. Let's go back first and talk about Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, my son and I uh, went and saw this last weekend, trying to keep up on these movies. I've seen Harry Potter. I think I've mentioned that one before. Really like that. So we saw Chronicles of Narnia last weekend, and uh, my son and I both went and really, really, um, really enjoyed it. I think they did a great job. I've read one of the books a long, long time ago. Most of it I had forgotten. I knew the basic story, but this movie is a lot of fun. I think especially for slightly younger kids will enjoy it even more. It's got kind of an element that's sort of magical about the whole thing, the the ice and the snow in the in the world of Narnia and all the creatures and animals that are talking in the, in the movie. And I'm not, again, going to give anything real major away. These things you can see just in the previews, but I just think they did a great job. I was especially happy with the actors and, and the kids that they chose for the main roles. I thought they were really good, especially the youngest girl in the movie. Um, she's just amazing. Lucy, I th- yeah, that's her character's name. Um, just really does a good job. I mean, the, there's a good part of the movie where she has to kind of carry what's going on, and she's really, really good. So, And it has a lot of neat effects, of course, and, and some cool props, which I, I'd, I'd like to get a couple of things from the movie. There's a sword, a wand. Uh, but uh, I highly, highly recommend going to see this movie, especially in the theater. I don't think it's uh, going to be quite as much fun and, and as amazing if you're watching it on your on your TV, no matter how big your TV is at home. So definitely check out Chronicles of Narnia. Now, the other uh, film uh, that I I don't like to really compare one above the other, but um, my son and I also went to see King Kong. We saw that uh, yesterday at a afternoon show uh, at a local theater, which is a, which is a really good theater, uh, good-sized screens, nice seating and all that, which I like to see most of the big movies at now. So um, King Kong, Peter Jackson film. Everyone's probably well aware of this movie, and a lot of you have probably seen it by now. This movie was just great. Uh, I just really loved it. I mean, I know people have been saying it's it's kind of long and that, but I, I like that. I mean, I enjoyed the longer Lord of the Rings films that he did. But Peter Jackson was, uh, you know, one of the early movies he's talked about that influenced him a lot was King Kong. And it really shows. I mean, he loves King Kong. He you can just tell from this film the way he he shoots it, the way it all fits together. He spends some time getting to King Kong, and again, I'm not going to give a whole lot away. Although most people know basically the King Kong story. I mean, there's nothing drastically he changes in this. It's still a a, sor- a story of um, you know these people discovering King Kong and what they what ends up happening to him and that and the, and the girl, of course. Um, in the movie played by Naomi Watts does a does a great job. My son says Peter Jackson makes everything dramatic. I mean, every, there, there are so many times in the movie where people just sort of turn their heads slowly over their shoulder as they're looking and hearing some kind of noise out in the jungle, and it's um, it, but it's good. I mean, it's good. You, you you'd uh, you, there's a lot of kind of suspense built up with that, and I like the way he shoots it all. It's just just a great movie. Again, another film that you really need to see, I think, on a, on a movie screen, a big screen, to appreciate uh, everything that went into it. And, and the other actors, Jack Black, I thought was a good choice. I thought he did a good job. People were a little concerned, I think, because he comes off as kind of a goofy guy in, in a lot of the stuff that he does. But I think he was just great in this film. I think he was just, he was sort of an Orson Welles, sort of maniacal, kind of crazy director guy who was doing anything to get what he wanted on film. And it's uh, it's good. It's good the way he portrays that role and kind of balks at the studio trying to shut him down and, and that and the way he kind of takes off on his own. So they um, they did a great job. I mean, they make New York look back in the nineteen you know late nineteen twenty thirty period around the depression. Um, it's uh, I like the way he sets everything up and the mood of it at the beginning of the film, especially so can't really say enough uh, good about it it was exciting uh, bring a couple of Kleenex maybe um, it's it's a it's a really really good movie 
Um, you know, a movie about a giant ape sounds kind of funny to, to say what I've said about, but um, Peter Jackson treats it well and treats it respectfully. And but it you know it doesn't come off uh, as overkill on that end of it either. I don't think it's just the right balance of everything. So go go see King Kong definitely. Um, go see it uh, sometime in the movie theater. So that's enough about that. Uh, not a whole lot else on 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 the television sci-fi front. We're waiting for Sci-Fi Fridays to come back in January, of course, on the Sci-Fi Channel here in the states, and that'll be good. But a lot of the other shows are kind of on what they call either like a, a break for the holidays or hiatus for a period of time. So there's a lot of reruns in that, which is okay by me. I get the chance to go out and do holiday things, see some of these movies, and catch up on, on some other things that I haven't gotten to in a while. So so that's it for the movie talk section. Now we're going to get into uh, the Next Generation episode uh, for, the, for the week, the Star Trek episode, Yesterday's Enterprise. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation... Enterprise from the past rips through time and alters the future. I'm supposed to be dead. Now, Lieutenant Yar lives again to help the crew fight a devastating battle. This war is not supposed to be happening. You've got to send those people back to correct this. And one courageous team must die to save the Federation from destruction on Star Trek The Next Generation. Okay, that was the uh, audio... uh kind of uh, take, uh, excuse me for a second, just adjusting the levels back down again. That was the audio from the preview for yesterday's Enterprise. Now, this Next Generation episode, one of my favorites from the third season, I just want to read a little bit of the um, credits for the writing. This episode was written by, um, pulling out one of my Star Trek little reference books, this episode was written by several people. This main story was by a guy named Trent Christopher Ganino, I think is how you say his name, and another guy that which I know the name, Eric Stilwell. Eric Stilwell was a basically a gopher kind of guy in the first couple of years of Next Generation who eventually made uh, his way to a story, or e- story editor position. Now, this Trent uh, Ganino guy was the one who originally p- pitched an idea of a time travel, timeline episode um, involving the Enterprise, but it was drastically different than the final episode that they used for yesterday's Enterprise. It involved Surek and Sarek and the Guardian of Forever, and it was fairly complicated, and the the main writing staff on Next Generation felt that it pulled off, pulled in too many different little things from um, the original series, uh, a little bit from Next Generation, and, and they just didn't really want to go with that way. So the story that eventually worked out... Um, was that, you know, the the story that you see in yesterday's Enterprise. And this story involved Guinan and Tasha Yar quite a bit. Now, one of the one of the things that um, all the storylines eventually um, had kind of involved in them was this idea of someone either from the past or from the future timelines sort of going to the other timeline. This happened in some of the early story drafts, and it involves Tasha Yar in this one. Now, Tasha Yar, as, as most people probably listening to the show... That character in Next Generation, she was uh, basically killed off in the first, the end of the first season of Next Generation, and that was um, the main story. Generally, is, is that it was a mutually agreed upon decision. Denise Crosby was was not real happy with her role. She didn't have really a lot to do as far as um, lines and involvement in a lot of the episodes. So she decided it was time to time to leave the Next Generation show. But if, if most people recall the episode that she dies in, in that in that episode, it was it was just an alien they meet on this planet, whack whack, she's gone, and there wasn't really a lot of dramatic. Uh, there it, there wasn't really a lot of need for it. Uh, it was put in almost just to get her off the show to some degree. It didn't have to happen, I guess. For it wasn't a critical part of the story, and I don't think um, a lot of people were really that happy with that situation. So. This was a great opportunity to sort of kind of redo that, sort of in a way fix it. And I think that's uh, an important point of this episode of yesterday's Enterprise, Denise Crosby and, and the role of Tasha Yar and, and what a big part it takes uh, or it takes place for this episode, what a big part she does, um, she's involved in this show. So I'm going to get in uh, get into that a little bit more, but one thing I want to play, I want to play a little, kind of a little clip I just find fun in this episode at the very, very beginning of it, uh, 
between uh, Guinan and Worf in 10 Forward and a little drink that uh, Guinan introduces to Worf. So I'm going to play that uh, clip for you right now. You see? It's an earth drink. Prune juice. Warrior's drink. (laughs) You know, you always drink alone. It wouldn't hurt you to seek out a little... Companionship. I always thought um, thought Whoopi Goldberg in the role of Guinan was just really a good uh, a good fit for the Enterprise for the next generation. She was sort of became kind of the conscience uh, for Picard a little bit, uh, the conscience of the ship. Um, conscience. Uh, sorry, I'm slurring my words again this morning. And she she does she has a lot. There's a lot of uh, what what goes on in this episode that involves her so that um that's a good little quick quick clip there with uh Worf and her in 10 forward and it's at the very beginning of the episode oh one last thing i wanted to mention about the writing again too you know that i i mentioned who came up with the original story the 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 teleplayer the script uh was was by ira bear richard manning hans Beimler, and ronald d moore ronald d moore who worked on next generation and is now uh, executive producer and writer on the new Battlestar Galactica. He basically cut his teeth on Next Generation, pitched some story ideas. Him and Bron and Braga wrote, um, you know, quite a few episodes of of the Next Generation. And Ron Moore moved off and you know on other things, and eventually now, like I said, Battlestar Galactica. So there are a lot of people who were touching the script, and in the Star Trek Companion, which I have as a reference, the the discussion about that was, or one of the one of the things that concerned people, anytime you you sort of write uh, anything, a movie, a, a, an episode, or uh, excuse me, a TV episode, a movie, a book, um, it is generally felt that the more people that touch it and and the more hands it kind of goes through, the worse the end up. You you end up you sort of like a story by committee, and that that sometimes is not really the best situation. You, you kind of need one person's vision, one person's idea for um something and you know sometimes a collaboration a duo sometimes even a trio can work but you know this this yesterday's enterprise episode i mean there's like seven or eight people that that touched this one and there was a lot of concern that that was going to make it a mishmash of a lot of different you know thoughts and ideas but they seem to really focus it and agree upon and each person kind of took a little area of the show like one of the things um, Ron Moore, uh, they say that he worked a lot on the the relationship between, excuse me, between Tasha and and the guy named Castillo, who's on the Enterprise C, which is what they run into in this in this little cloud temporal rift out there in space. And each person, kind of like I said, took a certain piece of the action, a certain part in the script, and worked on it. And I, I think it really shows. I think it's a tight script. I think there's a lot of good scenes in it. I got a few other several other clips to play that um we're going to get to here in a second but i just wanted to mention you know there was a lot of concern about this episode and it was actually supposed to take place earlier in the in the third season also but because of both denise crosby's um timing and Whoopi goldberg's timing which they were obviously in this episode quite a bit they had to push it into later in the uh season so but um with all that said i'm going to get to another clip here there's a clip uh Near near the beginning with uh, Guinan and and I believe this is with Guinan and Picard and it'll just talk a little bit about you know what's what's going on why you know this is after the little temporal change has happened in the past has been shifted just to give you the basic idea if you don't recall about this episode the the Enterprise runs into this rift a previous version of the Enterprise comes through actually sorry I'm not going to do the Guinan clip excuse me we're going to do the there's a clip with uh, Tasha explaining what happens here when they see this temporal rift. That'll that'll get us into the story. Then I'll play the guy in one. Okay, so we're going off now with uh, Tasha on board uh, the Enterprise. Definitely Federation starship. Accessing registry. Looks like they had a rough ride. NCC 1701 C. USS Enterprise. 
Yes, it is the Enterprise. It is the Enterprise C. And if you don't recall, the Enterprise D is what our na- normal next generation, next generation episode, uh, excuse me, episode, next generation Enterprise is the D. So, so that's when they first discover the ship. Now, as Captain uh, Rachel Garrett is the commander of that ship. And it, it is um, soon discovered that they came from the past, about 22 years in the past, actually. Now, what happens when this takes place is that, you know, the timeline situation is altered. They're, they are a key component of what happens in the past, kind of like um, Edith Keeler from the original series episode, City on the Edge of Forever. What happens by them coming to the future and slipping out of their own timeline, they, they critically alter the future they change everything they change starfleet starfleet is now at war with the klingons and that is not the normal picard uh, timeline and then um, part of that uh, change uh, guinan goes to talk to captain picard this is the clip i was talking about earlier and tries to explain the situation to uh, captain picard so listen to this what else families there should be children on the ship what children on the Enterprise. Guinan, we're at war. No, we're not. At least we're not supposed to be. This is not a ship of war. This is a ship of peace. What you're suggesting... I'm not suggesting. That ship from the past is not supposed to be here. It's got to go back. Whoopi Goldberg, uh, Whoopi is, uh, has a, was always a big Star Trek fan. I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast. Uh, Nichelle Nichols Uhura on the original series was a, was a big inspiration when she was growing up. And, you know, she had sort of worked her way or made that kind of knowledge known and got the role of Guinan on The Next Generation. And this episode uses her character, um, to a, to a good extent, uh, she is the only one, when the timeline is altered, she's the only one on the Enterprise D that that understands that, that this is wrong, that, that things have been changed, that this is not the way it's supposed to be. And there is another scene here that I'm going to play here in a second, also between her and um, Picard, that uh, is really critical to the overall episode. And I, I like the way Patrick Stewart as Picard and Guinan interact in this scene. And there's a lot here about, you know, what what is to say, you know, there there's, they they did this kind of alternate timeline thing in Next Generation a few times, and he has a good point of saying like, well, why is one timeline any better or more proper than than another timeline? Now it, it's pretty easy to see in this particular timeline. I mean, the Federation and the Klingons are are battling it, you know, really, really battling it hard, um, and it, it comes out that the Federation is not doing so well. They're, they're not winning this war. They are losing and on the brink of being wiped out almost. And this this is explained. Uh, Picard talks to uh, Captain Garrett of the Enterprise-C in, the, in this um, timeline and in this situation. So it, this one's a real pretty clear cut. I mean, you know, in the, in the normal timeline, let's call it normal timeline, the Enterprise is an exploratory, exploratory I can't talk today, uh, an exploratory vessel, a vessel of peace, and they have families aboard. Um, it's a kindler, gentler enterprise. Where the enterprise in this timeline now that's been changed is is a, is a warship. And while that might be exciting to see on television, um, I think war kind of a, on a on a you know a Star Trek or any other type series day after day can become a little wearing and can be kind of limiting. Um, TV series like Mash Aside, you know, which was uh, not really so much about war, but it was about people dealing with it. So, digressing again. Still, uh, I'm going to go and play the the next clip here between Guinan and Picard, where she's trying to convince him a little bit more of the situation and their their interaction. On this is really good. So, listen to this. But I do know that this is a mistake. Every fiber in my being says this is a mistake. I can't explain it to myself, so I can't explain it to you. I only know that I'm right. Who is to say that this history is any less proper than the other? I suppose I am. Not good enough, damn it! Not good enough! I will not ask them to die. Forty billion people have already died. This war is not supposed to be happening. 
You've got to send those people back to correct this. And what is the guarantee that if they go back, they will succeed? Every instinct is telling me this is wrong, it is dangerous, it is futile. We've known each other a long time. You have never known me to impose myself on anyone or take a stance based on trivial or whimsical perceptions. This timeline must not be allowed to continue. Now, I've told you what you must do. You have only your trust in me to help you decide to do it. I just want to uh, mention, you know, Patrick Patrick Stewart as, as Jean-Luc Picard in, in Next Generation is, is really, really uh, a good fit, perfect. I mean, he has the the acting chops to do the role and he he looks like the commander and, and the captain of a starship i mean he just fits the role very very well so and in this um this scene between him and guinan it, it it really uh, you can see his struggle he he's trying to do the right thing but he also is trying to trust his his friend he's trying to to understand and he knows guinan is is different you know she knows things she has certain abilities that not you know everyone does and he's come over the years they never really went into real depth or or whatever but it's not that important except that he he has come to trust her over the years and and her her kind of she's sort of his confidant and they they trust each other and this is a big leap of faith for him to to kind of go along with what she's thinking here. His whole reality, he, his whole mindset, you know, he doesn't feel or know or notice these little things and have this little itch in the back of his head like Guinan does about this whole timeline being wrong. However, they he, he doesn't, he's not happy with it. You can see a little bit. Uh, he's not happy with being at war. He's not happy with the way things are. And that's uh, an important point. And he eventually then meets with the, the other senior members on the Enterprise and convinces them and, and mentions that this this came from, you know, primarily from Guinan. And uh, he explains to them that they need to send the Enterprise C back to try to prevent it. And, you know, basically the, the idea was is that the Enterprise C was involved in a battle at uh, an outpost a Klingon outpost that uh, involved the Romulans. Romulans basically come and attack this outpost. The Enterprise C basically tries to stop them. And in order, or because of that situation, Federation and the Klingons become basically allies and they get along. Now, that was critical. It's basically, you, you help me out and I will be your ally situation. Now, the Enterprise C, when they came through the rift in time, they basically weren't there to do the job, so that that they didn't try to save um, the outpost. They didn't try to stop the Romulans, even though they were greatly outmatched. Which, when the Enterprise C comes through the rift, they're pretty beat up as it is. So, again, by not being there at that point in time, that uh, changed the timeline and created this situation where the Federation and the Klingons eventually become. Uh, enemies and are at war with each other rather than being allies so that's the critical point in history that the enterprise c has to go back and and be there and fix that situation now the other thing that's going on in this episode is tasha and there's a guy on the enterprise c called castillo lieutenant castillo and he eventually becomes uh, you know he gets in command of the enterprise c through circumstances um that I won't go into great detail about, but you can kind of guess. I don't want to give a whole lot away if people haven't seen this but recently. But anyway, and there's a little sort of romance and thing that starts to happen between Tasha and uh, Castillo, which which is kind of nice. I, I like that, that little thing that they threw into it. I, I think it makes it look kind of real. I mean, this is a stressful wartime situation, and I, I, I like it. And, and I... I really was a big fan of Tasha's character and, and Denise Crosby on Next Generation. It's difficult when you have a large cast of characters to give them all a lot to do, and I, I wish she had stuck around. Although, one of the things that was a plus when she left, I guess, is that the character of Worf, you know, he became the security officer, the weapons officer, and his role as a Klingon, and, and that made a lot of interesting stories. So, you know, it's another one of those points in history where things change, and you don't really know how it's all going to work out. I mean, it worked out good. Next Generation was an excellent series, had a lot of great episodes, but I do still kind of miss Tasha's character, and, and 
you can really, really see, you know, what she might have turned into and evolved over the story and over the course of the years in this episode. Uh, she's pretty critical to um, the Enterprise and the situation there without the character of Worf because he's not there because at the, in this situation, the Enterprise and the Starfleet is at war with the Klingons. So obviously Worf's not sitting on the bridge of the Enterprise. But anyway, moving along in the episode, now we're going to... Get, there's a clip of um, Guinan also giving her thoughts and insights to Tasha Yar. Tasha gets the idea that uh, something isn't quite right. Guinan keeps giving her looks through this episode, and there's um, sort of a tension or something going on there. So eventually Tasha confronts Guinan about it, and that's the clip I'm going to play now between uh, Tasha and Denise Crosby and Whoopi Goldberg's character of Guinan. So we'll listen to that now. Guinan, I have to know something. What happens to me in the other timeline? I don't have alternate biographies of the crew. As I said to the captain, it's just a feeling. But there's something more when you look at me, isn't there? I can see it in your eyes, Guinan. We've known each other too long. We weren't meant to know each other at all. At least that's what I sense when I look at you. Tasha, you're not supposed to be here. Where am I supposed to be? Dead. Do you know how? No. But I do know it was an empty death. A death without purpose. Yes, a nice, nice, good, strong scene there between Whoopi and... Um, Denise Crosby, Tasha, and Guinan, they, um, it, it's, I, I just like the way they, um, they interact. I mean, it, again, like I said earlier, the, it was, it was interesting, and it would have been interesting if she had stuck aboard the Enterprise, uh, Denise and Tasha's character, but, oh, on a little side note, I want to mention, um, if anyone knows or doesn't know out there, Denise Crosby has produced in the last few years these, uh, couple of movies, Trekkies 1 and 2, which, uh, ha, <laughs> They're they're uh, they're basically about Star Trek fans, and they're fun to watch. But you know they they obviously pull out you know not your average everyday Star Trek fan. I don't know if I'm called average everyday Star Trek fan, but they go after sort of let's just say the the somewhat extremes and fringes of some of the fandom out there. You know, there's that one everyone knows about, about the woman who dressed in the uniform and went to uh, court in it. And, you know, there's a guy with um, with a whole apartment. I believe that guy's in England uh, that he redid in a, sort of a next generation uh, s- style, which it's pretty darn cool looking. But anyway, not going to get off onto that too much. But if you haven't seen those movies, Trekkies, Trekkies 1 and 2, uh, they're, they're a lot of fun uh, to watch. But, you know, always keep in mind when you see things like that. And I think everyone listening to this show knows this, that that that's not uh definitely a a complete 100% good representation of star trek fans out there i've i've met lots of people that like star trek and frankly i have not met anyone like that shows up in those films too much so uh with that said uh move along um so tasha Guinan, now uh this um the scene what what it basically the point of it is is that Tasha finds out, you know, she's not really supposed to be there anymore in the future. And that that's, uh, you know, just think about it. If somebody had told you that, you know, somebody comes along to you and, and said, hey, you know, you're really not supposed to be here. You're supposed to be dead. This is what happened. Or she doesn't really tell her what happened. She doesn't know that. She just knows it wasn't a real meaningful death. And that that's an interesting point. And I really like the way she deals with it, and she decides to go to Picard and talk to him about it. And they need some help in the Enterprise C when they go back. And she tries to. She, she makes a lot of good points. I'm not going to say too much. I'll, I'll just let the scene uh, speak for itself. So I'm going to play that clip for you now when when Tasha goes to visit Picard with uh, this information she got from Guinan. So we'll play that now. Guinan says I died a senseless death in the other timeline. I didn't like the sound of that, Captain. I've always known the risks that come with a Starfleet uniform. If I'm to die in one, 
I'd like my death to count for something. Lieutenant. Permission grant. Yeah, I didn't want to play uh, play too much of that about at the beginning, but you know, she tells uh, she tells Picard that she's talked to Guinan, and uh, she just wants to to you know, like a lot of people would say, I think in the in a situation, you know, if this ever happens, really, but uh, you know, people want to know that their life, that their life, death, whatever, has some meaning. Uh, I think that's uh, what everyone sort of strives for. Hopefully, at least I do, and I think a lot of people uh, actually also do that so it's it's important to her that that she um i don't want to say goes out with a bang that's not really that's kind of lessening it a little bit but she she wants to to help she wants to do something she wants to make a difference and that is um yeah it's one of the reasons i like star trek i think so much it's just these people on on the enterprise deep space nine voyager so on all the all these things these people uh, don't just sit around. These people try to do something. These these people try to make things better. Uh, they try to make a better future, a better world. Um, and they make mistakes. Things don't quote you know sometimes go the right way. Uh, they have to make judgment calls. They have to make decisions all the time. But they're trying. And I think that's the biggest key important thing. They 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 you know they might fall down sometimes. Things might not go perfectly. Uh, people can get hurt, can get killed, but they are trying, they are continuing, they are striving. So that's that's a critical thing and um, one of the great uh, things about Star Trek in general, I think. So, and that's uh, that's primarily. Well, I'm gonna. I've got a couple clips left. We're we're almost at the end of the Star Trek uh, this segment. Um, I'm gonna play a uh, a little clip. Uh, there's a clip with. There's a big uh, battle. Uh, coming up, uh, or, or is at the end of the episode. I have a couple of clips with Picard, and that he he announces to his crew was about to happen. And I like the notice that there's a little comment in these next couple of clips about a planet called Archer Four that uh, is referenced. And I, I I actually had kind of forgotten about that, but it's it's interesting that you know they use uh, Captain uh, Jonathan Archer as the commander of and the captain of the Enterprise in the Enterprise TV series, and they have a planet here in the next generation time frame where they're referring to it as Archer 4. So listen to that little part. But I'm going to play the clip with Picard talking to his crew. I shouldn't be so confident after the pasting we gave them on Archer 4. Attention all hands. As you know, we could outrun the Klingon vessels, but we must protect the Enterprise C until she enters the temporal rift. And we must succeed. Let's make sure history never forgets the name Enterprise. Got out. Yeah, there we go with uh, Pat- Patrick Stewart, Captain Picard, uh, getting his troops together, and and you know has that great uh, British voice, uh, getting everyone all fired up, and you know let's. I love the line. Uh, let's not uh, let history forget the name Enterprise. Uh, it's just just good good stuff so and um i've got another clip there's a there's a little scene where the battle starts to take place and basically the enterprise d is trying to protect the enterprise c uh, while it moves its way towards the rift to, to go back in time and there are some klingon ships that show up there's three of them that show up uh that the enterprise is fighting off and uh, you know the usual bridge starts to blow up and and people get hurt and picard has a nice little uh nice little line it's a little hard to tell because there's a lot of effects and and noise in the background but he has a nice little line here in the, in that i wanted to play for you uh on the um, near the final battle so we'll play that for you now federation ship enterprise surrender and prepare to be boarded that will be the death Okay, so there goes the Enterprise C back in time, and 
Of course, uh, when that happens, everything immediately changes and is all back to normal, basically. And there's just um, one last clip for the uh, yesterday's Enterprise episode that I want to play with uh, with Guinan in 10 forward uh, after uh, everything's back to normal. So I'll play that for you right now. And then right after that, I'm, I'm going to take a quick little break, and we're going to be back talking about the collectible for the week. So listen to this last clip just near the end of yesterday's Enterprise. Russia laying a course for Archer 4. Captain, this is Guinan. Is everything all right up there? Guinan? Yes, everything's fine. Something wrong? No. No, everything's fine. Sorry to bother you. Jordy, tell me about... Tasha Yar. There's something awkward about writing a promo for a show. Doing the show, no problem. Write an essay, sit down, talk for a bit about what's on my mind. What's new in geekdom? Throw out a game review or two, and then read the essay. Which, of course, focuses on a geek topic. NPR wouldn't run it because they're too good. Not that I'm bitter. But the promo, that's the tricky thing. See, that's the time when you have to say, Hey, listen to my podcast that's about half an hour long has me talking geek to you, and ends with an essay that's also about geeky stuff. It's called Geek Foo Action Grip. People seem to like it, it's been around for several months, and there's no sign of it stopping. It's in the Podcast Pickle Hall of Fame and a proud member of the Sci-Fi Podcast Network. You can find it at www.geekfooactiongrip.com. And I don't know how to just come out and say that. I'll let you know if I come up with something. Okay, so now that we're uh, all done with the yesterday's Enterprise episode, great episode, I'm going to talk about the collectible for the week uh, pretty quickly and briefly. This uh, collectible this week is the uh, tri-dimensional or three-dimensional uh, chess set from the Franklin Mint. Now, this uh, the Franklin Mint put out a lot of uh, Star Trek uh, collectibles over the years, primarily pewter, uh, pewter metal uh, ships of the various ships on... Um, the various Star Trek series, which I have quite a few of those also. But the this three-dimensional chess set that they put out uh, quite a few years ago is, is really neat. It's got, um, it looks uh, a lot like the one they used uh, on the original series quite often. They come with uh, a full set of chess pieces for both sides, of course, in metal. And it uh, it's, it's pretty slick. I don't know if they're real very available these days. I don't check eBay a lot on this stuff now, but I think um, you could probably still find them occasionally on there now. There is a set of rules that was created for the tri-dimensional or three-dimensional chess that come with it, and there are some online you can find, but I've never really tried to play that way. I, well, I played, tried to play once. Um, let me dial down this background music a little bit. Tried to play once that way, but it was a little awkward. It's quite a bit different than regular chess, and the um, the rules are, are different. Uh, actually, what I, what I played a long, long time ago, uh, they have another tri-dimensional chess game out there that has basically just three levels of a normal chess board, and one side starts on one side at the top, and the other side starts on the bottom on opposite sides, and you can move both um, forward and uh, levels with your pieces. But it's... Um, it's not that different than regular chess there, just except that you can move in, on to different levels. It's a little trickier to block pieces in, of course, because they can also pop down to another level. But anyway, uh, so that's that's I have played that game before. I play I've played a lot of chess in the past. So, but this three-dimensional chess set that they put out, it's, it's real nice. I'll put some pictures on the uh, on the website for you to take a look. That'll probably tell you more about it. But it's real nice. It has a metal uh, stand that it comes with, uh, all the different little boards that you can move around, and that, like I said, the pieces are in a nice little felt box they come in to store them if you'd like. So so that's the Franklin Mint uh, three-dimensional chess uh, set for the collectible. 
now we're just going to wrap up the uh, the show with the normal uh, talk. The the main website www.treksf.com and or just treksinsci-fi.com is where you can find out more about the podcast and different things of Star Trek and the website and forums, Frapper, Map, all that nice stuff. That's at those websites. You can reach me at treksf at gmail.com. Send an email to Rico, and I'll, I'll definitely uh, try to uh, talk about it on the next podcast or so, or and also write you back. Also, occasionally you might see me on Skype. That's uh, my handle there is treksf also. And I think that's going to just about do it. Just want to again say uh, happy holidays to everyone, and the next podcast for for next week will be on or about Christmas, give or take. I will definitely be doing a show, but I'm not sure on uh, which day it'll it'll come out on. Oh, and um, I think the um, the what I'm going to do for next week's show. I've been toying with the doing just a Star Trek movie podcast, but I'm kind of deciding and and thinking that doing the movies all in one podcast or even a few of those might be kind of tricky. So what I'm going to do next week is I'm going to start with. Um, my favorite of the Star Trek films, I'm going to do a podcast about Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. That'll be the Star Trek point or part of next week's uh, podcast. And the collectible that I'm going to talk about, uh, actually a couple of collectibles, are Master Replica pieces again. These are Star Wars items. They are the, they put out a couple of thermal detonators. They were seen in uh, Return of the Jedi when uh, Princess Leia is dressed up as that bounty hunter uh, when she goes in to get Han out of Jabba's Palace. They put out these um, small little round thermal detonators, uh, replicas of those that uh, are really, really neat pieces, and I will talk about those next week. But until then, have a great uh, pre-week before the holidays really get going for most people or a lot of people, and I will talk to everyone next week. Have a good week, and happy holidays, everyone. Bye-bye. This has been a Rick Dosti podcast production.